0: Welcome to the Wizards of DApps podcast, where we interview the creators of various decentralized applications in the WebPree ecosystem. We learn about how they are built and the insights that come from shipping. And we're your co-hosts. I'm Peter. And I'm Bethany. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Wizards of DApps. This week, we have uh, Brantley. Do you have a username that you've used over the years, I guess, or just Brantley? I'm just Brantley. Okay, cool. From ENS here, right? And today we're going to be talking about some of the deeper questions around, you know, the larger visions of ENS. You know, it's more than just human readable addresses on Ethereum. Dive into the recent actions that's happened on the ENS auctions, right? But aside from that, you know, Brantley, would you like to give us, I guess, a short introduction of yourself and what you do at ENS?
1: Yeah, okay. So I'm Director of Operations at Ethereum Name Service. We have a great team. It's a, it's a fairly small team. Our our lead developer, the creator of ENS is Nick Johnson, who a lot of people know. Uh, good guy. New Zealander. New Zealander, yeah, yeah, Kiwi. He's very proud of that. And um, yeah, uh, ENS, uh is taking over the internet. Yeah, we do the same thing. We, what we do every night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Try just to take <laughs> over the internet.
0: Take over the. You try to take over the world. Yeah. Um. It's like, what are you up to? Um. Just like. Or domination.
1: Exactly. That, is, that describes us well. You know,
0: uh, people in China who are receiving their social
1: credit scores should be using ENS. Sure. Okay. What are you thinking there? I mean, they should. everyone should be using ENS, but what are you thinking there specifically?
0: I don't know. It's maybe, you know, you want to, I guess, I assume in the social credit system, you know, heard things about where you want to stake against someone else they're doing something bad. You can quickly identify them, and then just you know, on your mobile app, just my neighbor dot or like my neighbor dot China dot Eve, or something like that. You know, I'm literally just fucking around right now. But um,
1: you know, if, if ENS took off in China, I would love that.
0: We could get very political here. I'm gonna step away from that, but you know, hashtag Hong Kong. Anyways, <laughs> let's to the table uh, for now. But you know. Uh, a lot of people just know ENS, right, as, you know, the Ethereum name service, right? Where you can claim domains, subdom- create subdomains, right, and then, you know, just, like, helps the trouble with copy and pasting ENS uh, addresses, I mean, I mean, Ethereum addresses, right? I think not a lot of people in the community know about the larger vision of ENS, right? Um, you touched upon it earlier before we started this episode, but I actually don't have a strong grasp of it as well. Would you like to give an insight?
1: Yeah, here's the larger vision for ENS. ENS is blockchain-based naming infrastructure. That is the larger vision. Now, that might not sound super exciting at first, but let me explain what that means. So, like, first of all, like, what is naming? You have names, and you have some sort of logic of who gets to control which name, and then you have just information attached to that name. That's it. It's just a lookup system. It's very simple. And if you can do naming for one thing, you can do naming for anything. Because if you can look up, if you can store a cryptocurrency address and, and, and then, you know, look that up, you could, you could look up an IPFS hash or an IP address or a phone number or, or anything. Right. And, uh, there is a, a domain name system of the internet, DNS, and it works fine, but it was created in the 1980s and it, we think blockchain technology can vastly improve it. And basically what we want to do is first complement and expand what the domain name system can do and maybe long-term just completely like upgrade that tech stack with our technology. That's what we want to do. Now, we we want to do that, though, with the current namespace. So a key part of our strategy is that we are integrating the DNS namespace to work on the ENS infrastructure. Let's say like you have a name, like you have BrantleyMilligan.com. That name can work on the DNS infrastructure, but soon it will be able to work on the ENS infrastructure as well. And now this actually, uh, we've already integrated .xyz domains. So for example, I own Brantley.xyz on DNS and ENS. So you can go to Brantley.xyz and go to a website in a normal browser using DNS. But if you're like in trust wallet, you can send me Bitcoin with Brantley.xyz. And the amazing thing about that is that from a user's perspective, the fact that there's ENS running on Ethereum in the background is completely abstracted away. Right. So, like, you know, it's not .eth, it's Brantley.xyz, and I'm sending Bitcoin, but the user doesn't have to know I'm using Ethereum in the background to do that.
0: You know, if the Ethereum name service can be used for other blockchains, right, and cryptocurrencies, and, you know, it can be used for general... Right, base, we're
1: already doing that.
0: Right. And it's really just to be, uh, the long-term vision is for it to be a generalized name mapping service, right? Exactly. For not only websites, but for Valley itself. To, I want to send money to this website.
1: Yeah, well, I said the long term goal is that we wanted to do naming for everything. So, like, not right now we do cryptocurrency addresses, we do IPFS hashes, we, we also do tor.onion addresses. I could talk more about that. Uh, we do arbitrary text records. Um, we, we also have some traditional DNS records projects that we have in the works. But, like, long term, we'd like that ENS serves everything that DNS does plus more and does it more secure with more features in a better system. You know, that's would be like ENS maximalism, right? This would be a maximalist future for ENS. That would be, I'll put it this way, Richard Moore, who runs uh, ethers.js, he said this, and I agree with him. If ENS was successful, that would be such a massive achievement that that alone would make Ethereum a successful, a wildly successful project. Because it would mean that ENS and therefore Ethereum is now this massively important key piece of infrastructure for the entire internet. And that's our goal.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of like the idea of like, you can actually map anything to these addresses. You could actually kind of change the, the redirection. Like I just had this weird thought just then where it's like, you know, someone could actually send like radio signals or, you know, send messages through ENS as in display it and then people could watch them. I don't know, but I think you can actually get fairly creative with like how you use them, right? Essentially, just mapping it and and it the read, right?
1: Yeah, no, you, you could can attach any information you want to it, and we're very early, sort of, in what people are doing with that, and you know, and people can make their own record types. We we have ways to do that. So if you have a new type of record you want to be doing stuff with, you're allowed to do that with our system. It's very extensible. Yeah, I think it's I think it's an exciting project.
0: More recently, I'd love to dive into the ENS auction, right? So how many domain names did you sell? <laughs> did the ENS sell?
1: Great question. Okay, so uh, yeah, right. We, we just released these shorter .eth names. And uh, we sold in the auction, I think, about 7,000 of them. And we raised about a million dollars worth of Ether, although the price has gone down. I know so what's left now. Did not sell immediately. No, no.
0: Here's the thing. It could also go up like 30% in one day. So, you know. That's true. Edge of that.
1: <laughs> so how does this fit into that larger version vision I was talking about? So we we want to integrate and complement. We want to support and expand the usefulness of the current DNS namespace. So how does .eth fit into this? So .eth is a top-level domain that we created two and a half years ago when we launched DNS. And that is not in the normal traditional DNS uh, system, in that traditional DNS namespace. You know, we view .eth, it, because it's native to ENS, it has all the full benefits of the security of ENS. We consider it sort of an experimental place. We actually would like to have it formally integrated into the traditional namespace eventually if that, if that was possible, if that made sense. And there's various considerations related to that. But other than that, we really just want to serve the existing namespace. We don't want to do what we would call like pollute the namespace. We don't want to just create tons of new top-level domains and do this. We think that's bad. There's actually an organization that manages the creation of new top-level domains. It's called ICANN, the Internet Corporation for the Assignment of Numbers and Names. It's a big organization. And um, they have meetings three times a year, and anybody can go, and thousands of people come from all over the world. ICANN is basically the place where people around the whole world try to socially manage the namespace of the internet. And that's a social coordination problem. If you want to create a new top-level domain, they have a process that you can go through. We would like to follow those rules now moving forward as much as possible and to work with the rest of the internet. There are some other blockchain naming projects that take the opposite approach. They're like, screw that. We're just going to create tons of new top-level domains. We think that's a mistake. So so we're a, a differentiator for ourselves That's very clear is we've taken a very public stand that we're not going to do that. And the reason for that is there's two reasons. One, we think that by not following the rules going along with the rest of the Internet, we are unnecessarily antagonizing the rest of the Internet, basically. And they're going to be slower to adopt blockchain technology as a result. Like, why would we do that? We want them to adopt blockchain technology. So, yeah, let's play by the rules and have them like us and we can do that. So we think it's bad for that. So it's actually bad for the adoption of this technology. It's also, though, the second reason is it's bad for users. Because if we, are start, we start selling names that we don't really have like, the right to sell according to the rest of the internet, then we sell them to users. But now, because the rest of the internet didn't say we could do that, they might actually start selling those same names to somebody else because they think nobody owns it, right? Because they never granted ownership. Which now you have what's called the name collision problem. Where more than one person on the internet owns the same name. And that could basically render the names useless for users. So we think it'd be irresponsible. So, so like a great example of this is like unstoppable domains, right? You know, they they had something similar with with.zill .eth. I think that's fine. You know, they wanted to experiment with new features, that's fine. But now with dot crypto, I mean, this is just a very clear violation of the system. That's a a valuable top-level domain that, you know, and we could, we could create that, anybody could create that, but that's a valuable top-level domain that will almost certainly come into dispute in the future. They don't have the rights to it. And I think that it antagonizes the rest of the internet and it's going to be bad for users, I think. So I think that's, it. we think it's irresponsible. We're not going to do that.
0: That's fascinating. Like you talk about like the rest of the internet didn't, let, haven't agreed to let us use this, right? And it's just like a bunch of people meeting I guess, uh, offline, is that right? Three times a year?
1: Yeah, I mean, the online and offline meetings.
0: Right. You know, how, how does ICANN coordinate? Have you been to one of the <laughs> offline ones? You know, who are they? What do they look like? How do they act? This is actually so fascinating to me. Yeah.
1: yeah okay, I told you, internet naming. This is interesting, right? And, you know, a funny thing about it is that most people don't, like, know anything about DNS or ICANN. Maybe they vaguely heard about it. It's just sort of like this boring piece of infrastructure in the background that works. It's like how many internet users know what TCP IP is? Probably like nobody. It just works, right? DNS is sort of like that. So if you read the history of DNS, it's actually really fascinating. When DNS first started, like if you wanted to get a domain name, you literally just like called somebody up, like one man was like in charge of it. Like, hey, I want this name. He's like, okay, I assigned you the name. Like that's how it was like in the 80s. And then, as the internet really took off with the invention of the web in the '90s, people were like we need to be more organized.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and
1: um, eventually, in the late '90s, there was the creation of this nonprofit organization ICANN to manage this, and um, it's grown enormously, obviously, in the last 20 years. And it has state. It used to actually be a part. It used to be like controlled by the U.S. government because remember the internet was invented by the U.S. government, right? Exactly. Yeah and
0: rolled out over slowly to the public, right? Initial universities, you know, schools, uh, research centers, corporations. And then that's actually how a lot of people got onboarded to the internet, the universities.
1: Universities, right, Within the U.S. government. And so a couple of years ago, the U.S. government completely got out of ICANN. So now it's completely its own independent nonprofit organization. And so I, I have been to some, I've been to two of the meetings i presented at, at one of their meetings. Uh, I mean, it's huge. Thousands and thousands of people from all around the world, you know, everywhere from North America, South America, Africa, Asia, Europe. I mean, you know, Australia, everywhere. And a big term they use is multi-stakeholder decision making. So their whole emphasis is that the whole purpose of ICANN is not to be like a dictator telling people what to do. It's just like the place that people come if they want to have a say in how this thing is managed. So like anybody can have a say.
0: Yeah, it's, it's the East magicians of the internet. Right, okay, there you go. I mean, that's the fascinating thing, right? Like, as I've been navigating the stream ecosystem for the last year or two, right? You just, like, see so many parallels being drawn to the very internet itself, right? In the creation of it, in the management, in, in the coordination of it, right? We're dealing inherently with the same fucking problems <laughs> that, you know, everyone else solved. It, you can start <laughs> to draw parallels from, like, how ICANN may have started with a tiny amount of people, like maybe seven people, right? <laughs> you know, and then they try to, like, grow the governance. And obviously, like, all these, like, projects, including ENS right now, right? And, and De- all these DeFi protocols are starting with an insane amount of small people, right? Initially governing and coordinating, but then they have to somehow manage to include more stakeholders.
1: Over time, right.
0: Over time, grow it so that it doesn't include, you know, people who fuck things up, right? It's TLDR. <laughs> How do you filter for that? How do you determine that? You know, these are soft problems, right? In the sense that there's no real defined answer for them. So like, I guess like having been around ICANN, right? And dealing, and I guess uh, dealing, collaborating with ICANN, what's something you've taken away from like how they coordinate, organize, I guess?
1: Yeah, good question. So the big thing I would say is that building a system that can, you know, run over many years or maybe even run long-term involving lots of people that truly is open to feedback and whatever that is really hard to do that is not easy to do that's another reason why we don't want to like fight i there's people who have a lot of criticisms of i they think i made the wrong decision here or they didn't like the way they did this here or they strong-armed that person that's you know that's all true I and mean, that's valid and i go to these ICANN meetings with thousands of people and people are like oh yeah, there's lots of things about ICAN we don't like, or we wish was faster, or did better, and things like this. Those can be complaints. There's tons of room for improvement of that process. Here's the key insight, though. The governance of the namespace is not a technological problem. It is a social coordination problem. Because the technology is just what runs the namespace that everyone else already agrees on. If I own brantleymilligan.com what does that mean? When I if I own brantleymilligan.com that just means that everyone else in the world agrees to not use brantleymilligan.com because I'm using it. There's nothing preventing somebody else from just starting to use brantleymilligan.com in some sense.
0: instead of the own server's right for, you know, I guess redirection.
1: Yeah, I mean there's nothing preventing that like technologically necessarily like at the end of the day it's a social contract is what the name ownership is which means that deciding who gets what name, and then because not all names are equal, some names are more viable than others, who deciding who gets what name and under what terms, that is a social problem, not a technological problem.
0: Because technically, you know, I could just set up my own servers, right, and say, hey, read off Me Too for IP redirections, right? And I could just, like, fuck you guys. I'm going to have my own uh, domain names, right? And yeah, these are my rules. I care about these, you know, choose me to read off, right? All these and I start convincing all these browsers to start reading off these so PNS, this name service, right? You know, uh, you know, like it's a coordination issue, right? Of like why should we collaborate? Why should we federate our servers and all find consensus, right? It's actually insanely hard because it's almost like forming you of the United States of America, right? Where it's like, you know, a bunch of warlords just like came from England set it up and they had various states and various nation states, right? And they were like, uh, in the Federalist Papers, right? It was like, why should we band together at all? What are the pros and cons, right? And I guess it's like coordination problem mm-hmm. it was the same there, including internet service, right? Where you can't actually enforce violence on anyone else. You have to convince someone that it's better if you band together and coordinate, right? That's a fascinating thing because you could argue that like the fact that you can't enforce... Oh, there's always the five dollar wrench uh scenario where you can just kidnap people and like torture them, right? But technically it's this is like ultimately touching upon a larger, I guess, theme where it's like nation states over the internet could now technically exist, right? Because like nation states in the in the physical are enforced by violence and militaries, right? Now there's nothing to really enforce that, right, in a violent way. You just need to coordinate. Interesting topic. I guess that's like a, a topic of fascination, right? Where technically it's like you know, nation states can exist through Ethereum now, or like just the open internet of value, right? Comms were previously in you know available, but we never owned our data, we never owned servers, right? We couldn't control what was being displayed to us or what, you know the applications, right? Uh, but now it's almost like we now have the pieces in place, so it's a new world. Yeah, basically, right? Again, I guess like well, we've seen patterns of it you know, in the past, especially the start of the incident itself, right, with DNS, etc. But just going back to the ENS um, auction, right?
1: That's right. We kind of got off topic there.
0: Yeah, we, we got off topic, but right? it was fascinating rabbit hole, right? When did the ENS team start thinking about doing a ENS domain sale, right? And like, I guess, what are the necessary preparations around that? I assume it, like it could have gone wrong, like, in a million ways, right? What was that like?
1: The big thing with .eth names is that they don't function like normal DNS names. We started that two and a half years ago, right, with longer names. And this auction was just a way of trying to fairly release short names. This is basically what it was. It was actually part of a multi-step process. We even want to go back. Why do we even have short names restricted originally? Well, it's because when DNS launched two and a half years ago, this was in early 2017. The DAO had blown up less than a year before. People were scared of doing anything on mainnet. This was a different time. And uh, people should still be scared of doing things on mainnet. But people were really scared of doing things on mainnet. Basically, the view was that if you limited names to only longer names, that it would limit the damage because shorter names tend to be more valuable. I wasn't involved in the project back then. But people weren't sure, You know, Nick Johnson and Alex Van de sand and others who were, who were doing it, how they wanted to allocate the shorter names and things like this. So they just did longer names. Well, now that we're you know very confident in the system and it's widely used, it's like okay, well, let's open up shorter names. Now we only did three characters longer. We still did not release one and two character names because again, those are very rare and it's sort of a unique case. Like who should own? Well, that's three characters, but one and two character names really short. So we don't have those. But so we actually had a three step process. The first step was we allowed brands to apply to get their short dot eth name if they wanted to. And we had brands do that by the way. Like major brands like PayPal did this. Wait, PayPal. Yeah, the NBA? Oh, wow, they did this. Yeah, like a couple hundred brands applied and we gave it to them without having to apply in an auction. But then after that, we just said then a temporary auction about 2 months if there's a contested name, let people auction it out, you know. And now now that it's done, everything is now if it's three characters or longer, Dottie's name it's just first come first serve instant registration because we figure look if it was a valuable name it's already was contested in the other parts of the process
0: during the sale Right? did you enter into any emergency periods or state of crisis
1: you're asking about the problem we had during the auction yes for this auction this was not done like on chain really it was not in the same way that other auctions have been done We used a service called OpenSea, which is a major NFT market. And um, all .eth names are NFTs. But they actually are ERC-721 compliant now. They they weren't originally back when ENS launched uh, because ERC-721 did not exist. But it does now. And so now it's all NFT ERC-721 compliant. There was a mistake in the OpenSea auction that allowed somebody to basically make it look like they were bidding for one name, but they were actually bidding for a different name. And they were able to kind of unfairly get high value names for very, very cheap as a result. And somebody took advantage of this and got like, I can't remember, like 15 to 20 names, like high value names, like DeFi.eth, Apple.eth. And we discovered this pretty quickly. We were able to, you know, we stopped finalizing auctions while we figured it out. And uh, we offered a bounty to the person saying, "Hey." If you return these names voluntarily, we'll not only give you your money back, we'll give you plus 25%, I think, of of whatever the name ends up going for or something like this. We we gave them a bounty and the person complied and returned all of them. There was ultimately, you know, no harm, no foul. Thankfully, the person returned it. But we did briefly have a little mini crisis, yes. Do you
0: see ENS being totally neutral in like the claims, claim was a name, right? Like, you know, there's some fairly, you know, Sketchy names that could be claimed, if you will, namely major dictators in the last century, and as well as major world tragedies out of uh, terrorist organizations around the world. Right? I mean, what are your thoughts around you know the claiming of these?
1: Murder is fun. One of
0: the lighter ones, right? Uh, Murder is fun. It's light. You know, no connotations. It happens everywhere. Yeah. Let's take a case for that.
1: Good question. We don't control what gets registered. We don't control it anyways. So like, you don't have to contact us. So, let's be clear about this. ENS is entirely a set of smart contracts on the Ethereum blockchain, entirely. Like, we run no servers. The organization I work for is a nonprofit based in Singapore called True Names Limited. ENS actually started as a side project of some people at the Ethereum Foundation. This is when Nick Johnson was working there. And then ENS was kind of so successful that about a year and a half ago, It's spun off as its own organization with a grant from the EF. And so we have our own nonprofit organization based in Singapore. We're just sort of like the de facto managers of ENS. Sort of like the Linux Foundation doesn't own Linux, but they're just sort of like the de facto managers of it, right? And that's our relationship to ENS. So like, if we blew up and went away, ENS would continue to function exactly as it does today. And other people could take over the management of it if they wanted to, you know, or whatever. It's all open source. So I guess what I'm saying is like, if you register a .eth name, to do that, you just have to interact with a smart contract that allows you to register names and we don't control it. So we don't control it. We're not responsible for it. You can register anything you want. Now, if you're an individual person, note that if you do something that your local government thinks is bad or illegal, and if the government finds out who you are, They can still prosecute you. This is actually a difference in terms of the security model for our system versus DNS. So with DNS, somebody runs the DNS server somewhere, which means that if someone's doing something bad or abusive or illegal using DNS, then the government can go to the DNS server operators and say, hey, take this away from this person, right? This is, by the way, a pro and a con. It makes enforcement very easy to get rid of bad things because they hey, get rid of it and then the central authority just does it.
0: Most of the sketchier dirt on the internet, it has to hide away in, you know, onion addresses, right? Essentially.
1: Right. So but with us, they can't do that. There is no central authority that can like just easily take a name away or something like that. So in that case, they have to go directly to the person. Makes sense. It's like if you want to take away someone's Bitcoin, you can't go to the Bitcoin bank and ask them to freeze their account. You have to go directly to the person. So it's a similar um, ownership model.
0: Right now, there's seven key root holders, right, of ENS. You know, what does that mean, essentially, right? And I guess, like, are there any further works around, like, not improve it, right, but, like, evolve the governance of it, right? And this may not even mean, like, adding more key holders. It might even be setting up an open council forum, just like I can, right? For it, et cetera. What's going on there?
1: Good question. Okay. So there's elements of our system that are completely automatic. And then there are elements of our system that we actually still manually control just because we're not aware of a better way of doing it. And there, these all can be separated out. So, for example, setting the prices for renewals for Dotties names. Right now, those are, you know, for most names, it's like $5 a year in paid in Ether. We just manually set that and we you know we had discussions with the community on like what the prices should be and we thought well okay this is like half the normal price of like a dot com let's set it there and the reason we even set prices at all is for anti squatting you have to have a price or else somebody will just register all names or something right it has to cost something the root key holders which is a force of multi sig they set that we don't know of a decentralized system that we could count on for the next hundred years to fairly adjust prices if they need to be adjusted you know, like with inflation or something. If that eventually exists, we want to pass that power over to that. Right now there's not. However, we can't just like take away someone's dot .eth name either. There's different powers here. We have that four of seven. Yeah, just as a way to manage certain elements of it. We'd like to eventually slowly get rid of that. It's also seven people from throughout the ethereum community so it's not just us so only we only have one of our peoples of that four of seven and that's nick johnson but the rest have nothing to do with the ns it's not a perfect governance model we just thought it's just sort of a check that we have we intentionally put in place so that we don't just completely control everything and then eventually over time that can evolve to something better
0: no, of course. I agree with that. You know, It's a movement towards uh, being more resilient. Uh, Web3 is there. It's not going to go away, right? I think what ENS has done is just validated the need for it very early on, right? And then you know, committed further resources to it without you know spending too much time being held up on the governance, even though it may be a point of contention and concern for later on. You know, it's a bit, all about it's never perfect. It's all about balancing it right, while building something that's valuable for people. That's all the questions from my side. I think it's been actually fascinating from learning about the vision of ENS, right? And the broader strokes around the vision, right? Is there anything you would like to talk about or any other comments?
1: I think ENS is a very exciting project with enormous potential. And if it's successful, then we are building, you know, a new layer of the internet for the whole internet, not just the blockchain community. That's an exciting thing to be a part of. Cool.
0: Uh, thank you, um, Brantley, for coming on to Wizard Dabs podcast. Catch you guys next week. If you enjoyed what you listened to and are interested in supporting this podcast, then please follow us on Twitter at Wizard of Dabs. The show notes will be on our website, and if you want to continue the conversation, join our Telegram group. All links will be in the episode description. Thanks for listening.